hold on tight for this one, y'all. It is deep, it is wide, it is long, but it is so good and so rich. And our Heavenly Father is present. He's present in the heart. He's present in the help because he is the help. And he's also present in the hope, the healing. Oh, all these H's, you know I love alliteration. But seriously, the depth of this conversation with Dr. Mary Kay Holmes will... What won't it do? What won't it do? Listen, you guys, we're unpacking human trafficking. We're unpacking domestic violence. We're unpacking incarceration. We're unpacking this ability to outlive the labels. We're talking about her journey from being stripped from rejection to redemption. And she's an author and a podcaster and a speaker and a magazine publisher and a life coach and a lawyer and a pastor. Oh, wow. If you need motivation, if you need encouragement, if you need a deeper connection to knowing God and knowing how present he is in every single piece of our testimony, you must tune in. It's that good. It's that amazing. And follow her all the places. Hear Mary speak. Um, It's amazing what God did with this time. And I can't wait to continue to show up with her. So you guys stay tuned. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be something great. All right. Love you guys. Enjoy. Don't forget, subscribe and review or leave a note. Tag, tag, tag. Do all the things. We love you. We appreciate you. Chat soon. This is your God wink. The moment that heaven says for such a time as this, it's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love Whole Foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering, if you're wondering, what is this? Well, this is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. 
Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, as always, to the Fit and Face podcast. I am so honored to introduce you to a new friend of mine who I cannot wait to dissect everything about her bio. Literally every single piece is something that I'm either drawn to, connected to, or inspired by. So if you have yet to meet Mary Kay Holmes, you're about to. And I encourage you to stay tuned for this entire show because one of her heartbeats and the heartbeat of her podcast, Outlive the Label, is clearly one of my own if you know anything about me. So we're definitely going to dissect that here. But first off, let me give you her rap sheet because it's amazing. She's a number one international best-selling author. She's a speaker, a podcaster, a magazine publisher, and a certified life coach. She is living out her assignment to inspire everyone that she encounters. And I know that I am going to leave inspired today, as are you. She is an award-winning founder of the global movement to outlive the labels. And is a mouthpiece for criminal justice reform and human trafficking awareness. As a survivor of human trafficking, domestic violence, and incarceration, she has sought after trusted authority on the life after adversity, and she speaks from her heart concerning real-life issues that plague women all over the globe. Um, And so there's so much more to where that bio comes from, her studies, where she's been to school, her counseling, um, and the firm that she also has been alongside serving. And so we'll get into all of those things and even her books and titles and all of that stuff. But if we're outliving the labels, the titles don't matter. And so I am excited to have you here. And I don't even know where you want to start. You want to start in the history? You want to start in the present? First off, just thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. I love just the format of the show. I love what it's all about. So it's an honor to be here today. And I can't I can't wait to dive into it and, and uh, share parts of my story and give hope and inspiration and and let's change some lives. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes, that is also my heartbeat. So I'm glad to have you. And let's jump into that. Let's jump into where were you and and what is the history that led you to this point? And, and I know you could dive into years probably probably years back and you could dive into just yesterday. So you feel free to whatever's been laid on your heart for the, for this conversation. Yes, absolutely. So for me, it started back when I was just a little girl, four years old, you know, being molested by an older male relative was really just the downwards where the downward spiral started for me because it led to me, you know, really acting out as a child, as many people who experienced that unfortunate, you know, just, you know, it happens to so many people. I'm, I'm always amazed at when I tell that part of my story, how many others have experienced that or at least know someone who has um, survived that. But it led to me becoming very uh, promiscuous at a very young age. And so by the time I was 14 years old, I was pregnant with my first child. And at 14, I was still this, you know, young girl who was trying to find her way in the world, trying to discover who I was, you know, but I was going through a lot of trauma, uh, to say the least. So it was also the year that I I attempted suicide for the first time um, when my mom and my boyfriend's mom uh, made, made me have an abortion. And it devastated me so much that I just wanted to end my life. And the next year at 15 years old, I met a 36 year old man who would human traffic me and abuse me for seven years. Um, it started out where I'm just this teenage girl and he vetted me. He watched me for weeks, probably months at a time. And when he finally, you know, approached me 
it was like dangling a carrot in front of this young teenage girl's face who had only experienced poverty up until this point, living on welfare, living off food stamps, and just living in the inner city and wanting better, wanting more out of life, wanting that sense of fulfillment and that happiness and joy that I had been chasing. He promised me a life of, you know, being able to wear what I wanted, buy what I wanted, you know, go to school with the latest clothes and the latest sneakers on. And he wound up uh, using me to transport kilos of cocaine across state lines. Um, I would, he would send me into New York. Um, I, we would go into the Bronx and sit down at a table in a restaurant. And the dealers would slip these cocaine, these kilos of cocaine um, under the table and put it in my backpack. And it was my job to get it back to Connecticut where I lived and cook it up because I had to cook it and to turn the cocaine into crack, weigh it up and bag it into these baggies called what we called eight balls and distribute them on the streets of New Haven, Connecticut. And that was the start of human trafficking for me at that age. I was just a teenage girl in high school. And then it became more controlling and abusive and manipulative. And eventually I found myself trapped in his small one bedroom apartment, uh, you know, unable to contact family. I was forbidden to use the phone. I wasn't allowed to use um, I wasn't allowed to leave the apartment. It was an apartment complex where if you left out of the door, um, it would lock behind you if you didn't have a key. So I was forbidden to leave. Um, I wasn't able to answer the door if anyone knocked. Um, He had the calls forwarded to his pager back then. So even if the phone rang, it would only ring like a half a ring. And I wasn't allowed to answer it or use it. And so I went through that um, while I was pregnant with his child. And while going through that, it was some of the most devastating moments of my life because I was isolated from everyone that I knew and loved. You know, he turned me against them, them against me. And I was trapped. And, I, you know, I it was such a devastating experience for a young girl who's not only just starting out and trying to find her way, but now I'm pregnant. So for days, some days he would leave me without food. I remember one night finding a can of tuna fish and that's all I had to eat for that entire day. So I had to ration that, you know, you're pregnant. You, you want to just stuff yourself. You want to eat all day long. You're craving these yes. different foods. So, you know, you, you want to be eating the ice cream and all of that stuff. And, you know, for some of us, pickles and ice cream, who knows? I, I did crave pickles, by the way. But <laughs> all I had was this little can of tuna fish. And I had to ration that out for the whole day. So imagine craving all kinds of goodies. But that's what I had to eat. And I was in survival mode. And when I escaped that, it was seven years later. Seven years I escaped that relationship. And unfortunately, I would love to say that my life just, you know, what took a turn for the best, but no, it took a turn for the worse. It was like going from the frying pan and into the fire because I ran right into the arms of a pimp who had me, I was re-victimized into human trafficking and most human trafficking victims, unfortunately, are re-victimized. And so I, that happened to me and I wound up being pimped and prostituted in the streets and um, forced to dance for money and hand all of that cash over to, to this man who had me paying a debt that he was holding over my head. Um, So it was like I went from one horrific, traumatic experience to yet another one. And by this time, I had attempted suicide five different times. Um, But I'm so grateful. I'm I'm so thankful to God that even though I didn't see any worth in myself, I didn't see any self-value on my life. I didn't didn't think highly of myself. I didn't see um, any reason to live and 
I didn't think I had any gifts and talents. God saw so much more in me than I saw in myself. Um, matter of fact, when I, I when I thought nothing of myself, God saw everything, and He was setting me up for moments like this, where I can look back and see that even in some of my moments of my greatest pain there was still a setup for purpose in it because now when I speak to these issues, I can inspire women from all walks of life. It's like, if you've been homeless, I've been there. I can tell you how, how to get through that. You've been abused. I can tell you how I got through that. If you've been trafficked, I can tell you how, if you've been to prison, I can tell you how to, how to get through that. If, if you've been you know in the streets, if you, you know, there's so many different things that I've gone through in life that now I utilize it not as a crutch or not as a, a pity party. I don't, look for sympathy, but I use it as an opportunity to help other people because to make it out of the things that I've made it out of. And that's just a fraction of my story. When I say say a fraction, that's like a sliver of my, the things that I've gone through. But when I look back and see how much I've come out of to not only survive, but to thrive beyond that, it's so, it's so amazing. I'm so grateful. And so I feel it's my responsibility to reach back and help someone else come out. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, there's so much to that. And from the moment you open your mouth to that connective sexual abuse trauma that occurred to you, I was three. So I felt you. Then you go into the the way that you act out and the sexual intimacy problems that you experienced that then led you into the spiral of being pregnant young. I hear you Um, and I see you and I feel you and I've been alongside that. And while my story didn't turn out like yours, there are still the components of the rooted pieces that played out in so many different ways of bondage and trapping and abusing my own self based on trauma um, and stepping into situations that were not for me. But yet there's been purpose that has played out from there. And so I think, like you said, you really can relate to so many different people and it's always funny when we go and someone's like, Hey, share your story, right? Like you share what maybe just shared for four or five minutes. And to know that that's just a fraction, like just a literally a blink. And there's all of that in the midst of that. There's all of the individual situations that played out to get you from one element to the next element, to the next element to here. And so my curiosity is how did you get out of that situation from being trafficked by the last man? And when did you recognize that God was present in your life? Like, was there a come to Jesus moment? Was there a crash and burn moment? What what did it look like? Yeah, I love that question because it really all it all comes back to my faith for me. Like when, when people ask me, like, how did you do it? How did you? It really it was all about my faith. And but to just say just to go to the point where I was able to get out of the second situation where I was being trafficked one day, it was like there was this moment. And I talk about this in my book, Stripped. I had this moment, this like awakening where I realized girl, you're being used, you're being abused, you're, you're being like, because the way that things were going, it wasn't just the pimping and the and being um, prostituted. But there was the physical abuse component where I was being, you know, slapped around beat up. And, you know, at one point, it's just I, I realized, like, wait a minute, like, you can get out of this. And it, it was like, he just went too far one time. And I literally, I changed my, I moved suddenly. I picked, I packed up me and my boys. I moved so he wouldn't know where we were. I, I 
just gave up this really beautiful apartment that I had in this affluent community um, at that time and moved into this little one bedroom apartment where I gave my sons the, the bedroom and I slept in the living room on a futon. I down I downsized um, in every way you can probably imagine. Um, I, I sold my car so that when I was driving around, maybe he wouldn't, you know, because he lived out of state. So it was a little bit easier for me to just pack up and move and then just change my phone number. And that was it for me. Um, but I, I had I just had this moment where I just knew, like, I can't continue like this because it was just the way that things were going. Uh, I knew that it was just going to only get worse. And at some point I knew I had to make a change. My mom had recently passed away. And unfortunately, my best friend's um, younger sister, who was 17, was killed in a car accident. And I had this moment where I realized, like, life is too short. We don't like my mom. You know, yes, she had battled different illnesses over the years, but this was a sudden death. It wasn't expected. And of course, the car accident wasn't expected. Um, but I just realized, like, I need to change. Now, I wasn't I wasn't in church yet. I had grew up in church all my life. But throughout those years, I had been drawn away because um, the, the father of my children, he forbid me from go, to go into church and I wasn't allowed to pray in the house or pray with my children. So there was even that religious abuse component where he robbed me of that freedom um, where I was, he, he refused to allow me to do these things. So I had drifted away, as you can imagine. So at the time, I wasn't in church, but my best friend's little sister who was killed in the car accident, she was so in love with God. And she had this, she was just this um, fireball when it came to just worship. And she, she sang praise and worship, as a matter of fact. And because of her faith, it was just in my mind, I said, you know, I have no doubt about where she is. Because of my mom's faith, I knew I was like, she's gone, but I know I, I'm, I'm confident about where she is. I want people to have that same kind of hope about me. When, when my time comes, prayerfully years and years and years from now, I want people to have that same hope and that same peace, knowing that not only am I in a better place in this, you know, uh, imaginary world or this, you know, this this general realm that we speak of in general terms. No, like we know that there is there is more to life than this, that this is this life is not all there is. And eternity can't be compared to this short window of time that we have on Earth. And I started to have these awakenings, these like epiphanies stuff started to come back to me that I learned as a kid in church. And I said, I got to get in church. I bought a Bible. I, you know, started to listen to worship music in my car as I'm driving around and I got back into church and I began to just really just, I, I, I dove in. I mean, when I say I, I jumped in, you know, head first, I, when I got into church, I was at Bible study. I was at every time that my pastor went out to minister. I was there. I was cleaning the bathrooms because I just wanted to be at the church. I just wanted to be there and just be in God's presence. So I was, um, cleaning the church, attending the Bible studies, learning more about the Bible, and my faith started to grow um, even stronger. So I knew at that point there was no turning back for me. And literally, I still had all of these um, resi this res residue of things that happened to me. I still had some bad habits. I still had some old mindsets. I had things that had to be worked out of me. And, uh, you know, God, it was like a gradual deliverance. Um, but I remember the anxiety that I felt, the um, the PTSD that I was going through from the trafficking. Um, and I would be afraid to be around people. I was, you know, always intimidated by people. I had this extreme nervousness. I would tremble uncontrollably 
If someone got too close to me, I would flinch, I would jump and I hated it. And I asked, I was sitting in service. It was Mother's Day and it had to be, I think, 2008 Mother's Day and my pastor, he was ministering and I I cried out to God in my mind and I said, Lord, I, I want you to take this away from me. Yes, you brought me out of it. Yes, I'm still here. But I need you to I need you to take I need you to heal me from all of the trauma. Like, I I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want to be free. And I'm like, literally, I'm tears are just streaming down my face. And to this day, when I look at the journal that I was writing in my notes from the from the message that day, you can see the tears that fell on the page and the, the ink is all you know, smeared from the tears just dropping on the page. And I'm crying, I'm crying. And, and in that service, I got free because, and this is, this is so, this is such an interesting part of my story because my pastor, he stood up and he said, as a mother's day gift, he said the first mother that would come to him, he would give them a gift, which was the CD from the message last week or the previous week called Diamond Tears. And I wanted that CD. And it's, they caught it on camera. I got up and I ran, and I because we had a thousand foot, a thousand seater church with a balcony, so it's huge. I got up out of my seat and I ran and I snatched that CD and I kept running because I was like, I'm determined. This is my moment of freedom. This was something I would have never imagined doing because I was so shy and intimidated and the social anxiety. I would have never imagined doing that in front of all of these people. And of course it's mother's day. So, you know, the place was packed. I, I ran and jumped and got that CD and ran back to my seat. The place went crazy. They caught it on camera. They put it on YouTube. It's actually on my YouTube channel. And when I tell you, I had never felt so free, but from that day forward, when I tell you, I mean it from that, that, from that day forward, I was open. I was lively. I had personality that people didn't think that I had. It was stuff that, you know, like when you're alone in your house and you're free to be yourself and you're singing in the shower, you're dancing around the kitchen. I was able to be that person in public for the first time. And it was that moment. (laughs) It was that moment. Amazing. What a crazy story. And even to know still like (laughs) that people can unlock this. Right. I love how you were expressing and explaining to us that there was, you know, habits that had to go and pieces of us that you had to shed and things that were old. They habits die hard. Right. Old habits die hard. And so recognizing that there was just this yearning inside of you still. And that yearning is that drawing near. It's that calling out from God. It's that submitting and you were in that place of utter submission. And I speak about this all the time, how submission is victory. And ultimately, if we can get to a place of fully surrendering everything about ourselves, even the place of shame, even the place of guilt, even the place of trauma, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, all of that to say, I know there's more for me. And I love that you had that example, even in death, there was an example set before you to say, this life is too short. And this is my time to rise. And so you took hold of it literally at a speed of light to say yes to that CD. But it was so much more than that to you. And so it's probably funny for people on the receiving end to be like, wow, she really wanted that thing. But to you, you're like, it's not just this thing. There's so much more. And it's you wanted your life back. 
All right, quick pause. I love that you're tuning into this show. Really, your shares, your subscribes and reviews, even your listens mean a ton to me personally and honestly to all of us who put these shows out weekly for your listening pleasure. But are you ready? I think it's time that I put you in the hot seat for a question. If you're resonating with all of these multi-passionate, God-loving success stories, then I bet you have one of your own. Maybe you're even in the midst of that comeback. Regardless, there is a deeper message inside of you. I am sure of it. It's your why factor for living life. So here's the question. Why not turn that mess into a message by starting a podcast of your very own? It's time for you to amplify. And since I've been podcasting for a couple years now and I've trained dozens of shows into launch, I've also hit top of the charts across the globe. Why would you want to learn from anybody else? I'm also pretty fun. And so is my team. And we've put together this e-course. And don't stop here. Don't fast forward. Hold up. I know you're thinking e-course, me course. Everybody's got a course. But this one is truly as good as it gets. I give you behind the scenes, step by steps. My team is screen sharing exactly what they do post-processing. There are video modules and a workbook. Plus, we offer direct group coaching with us. No videos. Us live in action. Let's create that human-to-human connection. So really, there's nothing like it. I would encourage you to go check out TamaraAndress.com and check out the course tab. Once you get there, there's even a free mini course option if you want to see the behind the scenes and not really take my word for it. So you should take my word for it. You're here listening to me right now. So I appreciate you. We love you. We encourage you. But girl, boy, man, woman, father, dog, whatever. (laughs) It's time for you to amplify. All right. Now let's get back to the show. So I'm curious, just because as you're talking about Mother's Day, you're talking about your kiddos and um, your their father and like how has redemption also restored your relationship with your sons? Because how old were they when that happened in 2008? Yeah, when so and when it because they were sitting right there with me in the service yeah. and they saw it happen and I because my my youngest son he would always say I, he, he would he wants he wanted to be a preacher just like our our pastor. And so he would when he when my pastor would preach, he would have his fake microphone and he imitate him and he would have his cloth and and he would always go around and tell people to call him a bishop. He was a little little kid, like four or five years old at the time. And he was his name was Brandon. He would say, you know, call me bishop because he wanted to be a he wanted to be a preacher. And so he was the fact that I had found my way back into church and found my way back to faith. In all of those years where I wasn't even allowed to pray with them, when I tell you I was forbidden to pray with them, if I, if he caught, if, if my kid's father caught me praying with them or talking about church, it would be hell to pay, you know, no pun intended. And so it was years where I was afraid to teach them the things that I knew. And so when we, when I got back to the church, it freed all of us. So, you know, they're in there, they're loving church. They're loving being involved so much so that my youngest son wants to be a preacher and, you know, and, and just watching them get free as well was so much of a, it was so much joy to watch that. It, it gave me so much peace knowing that not only like I knew, of course it was the right decision for me and I, I couldn't have made a better choice than, but to surrender. But when I surrendered and I said, yes, 
it opened up that door for my children too to see their mom not being abused but free when they see their mom worshiping and they see they see their mom praying and they hear me praying in the house oh my goodness that in and of itself was just such a a blessing to be able to have that when they wake up in the morning, they hear me praying to have the gospel music playing so much that they know all the songs. And, and, you know, so it, it was, it was, it was really, you know, me getting free. It unlocked their freedom as well, you know, to change when God changed my life, it was, it set them on a path uh, to overcome anything, any hindrances, any trauma, any, um, what do you call it? Any, any, uh, add any trauma that they experienced on the sidelines, so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, they they um, were able to get free from that and heal from that as well. And and like you said, um, and as I mentioned, you know, some things are a process, um, but there were some things where instantaneously God just took us from point A to point B instantaneously freed us in so many different ways. And I'm grateful for those moments. I'm grateful they got to yeah. witness that. Yeah. I mean, and so they were four. And how old was your older son at that well, time? At the time Oh my goodness! Uh, I'm so bad with math. Like, um, let's, do math. <laughs> let's say it was ten years ago. I can help you. Yeah, so he was about eight. My oldest son had to be about okay. eight because they're about four years apart. So if you, okay. my youngest Amazing. son was four or five, my oldest was like eight or nine. That's easy math. Like, I was able to. Do yeah, that, there you so. go. I was like, hold on, I'll help you out. Well, <laughs> lawyers are horrible at math, but I happen to be a tax lawyer, so I'm supposed to be good with numbers and uh, with arguments and and making my case, uh, but. <laughs> That is so amazing because that, I mean, even just hearing that, y'all, she went from all of that to now a tax lawyer. Her sons are now grown and they are growing, I guess I should say, not fully grown yet, but aspiring to be and lead. Yeah, 21, that's grown, grown enough. Um, But realizing that they are now living the legacy that they were intended to live without the generational bondage of what could have continued to establish. And I've literally never looked at even my own testimony like that. I, I think about it from my lens. And I knew that my son, who was two and a half when I came to know Jesus, was like wiping my tears at night and it's okay mama dad I loves you he would tell me and this isn't a turmoil within our relationship and so to hear those words from my son he didn't know that I was also pressing into our father in heaven the, the papa the data in heaven at that time and so mm. I was receiving those words as if it was a biblical understanding and I was the same way when I got involved in church and one of my pastors is right here in the room with me like I I was there for everything. I remember going to every conference. I wasn't even invited to the conferences. I was by no means on the pastoral team or I barely knew Jesus. If you looked at it from that perspective and I was like, Oh, I'm coming. And they're like, Oh, Oh, okay. And this is like leadership conference. And I'm like, I know <laughs> I'm going to be a leadership. I'm going to be in leadership. And so walking into that and just knowing that there is so much that God has in store for us when we just get to that place of surrender. So I am amazed by that. So when, after you stepped into this, you know, season of redemption and how did you know what you were purposed to do? Was it like, I'm going to go to school again, or I'm going to lean into what, how did that process kind of unfold? Well, for me, as a young girl, when I was when I was probably I don't know what age I was, but I know I was in the third grade. I knew then I wanted to be a writer. 
third grade, fourth grade. I remember writing my first poem. I remember writing a, um, a poem for Martin Luther King Day when I was in sixth grade and I'm being so proud of it. Being an avid reader at that time. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, my favorite um, books were of course like Ch- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator and James and the Giant Peach, uh, you know, sideways stories. from. I was so into the books that I would read and that would take me away from everything that was going on at home. Because what I didn't mention was that I was growing up also with a drug addicted stepfather who was addicted to crack cocaine. So while I'm dealing with all of these different other traumas and this pain of my childhood, my family is being slowly ripped apart. Um, but my escape was reading and writing. And I would always say, I'm going to write a book. And if somebody got me mad, my comeback would be, you're not going to be in my book. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, was, I need to I use that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm going to write one day. I'm going to have books and you're not going to be in my book. And I would read these stories about ancient Greece and I would read about Mayan civilization and the Incas and I would go back into time and I would be fascinated by the history and I would say one day I'm going to visit Mexico one day I'm going to visit Peru one day I'm going to go to you know um, Greece and I, by the way I've been able to visit all of these places because I had I had such a lifelong love for you know ancient history and you know just wow. uh, anything to do with like, ancient ruins and you know so I've been to Rome and gone to see the Colosseum and mm-hmm. gone to Greece and seen all of those places that I read about and gone to Peru and you know hiked the Andes Mountains and saw you know the Inca Trail that I read about when I was in elementary school and gone to Mexico and gone to Chichen Itza and seen the 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 all of the yeah. different places that are still standing to this day, but I was so fascinated as a kid and I knew I wanted to be a writer. There, You could not tell me, but after growing up, being through all of these different things, it started to get slowly beat out of me. It started to, you know, I started, it started to become smaller and smaller and smaller, smaller and look less possible as the years passed. But fortunately, you know, we serve a God that is just, he, he has a way of bringing our dreams back and restoring our hopes and just restoring that joy that we had when we were, you know, we had that childlike wonder about life and he brought that back to me. And I just, and, and, and interestingly, he brought that desire back to me um, right around the time that I was able to, you know, get back into church and I wanted to start to travel And just to give like one incident where a good incident where, you know, God used a moment to put me on this path, this like accelerated path to success. I I had a friend of mine in the church who said, "Um, let's go to St. Thomas. My mom lives there with her boyfriend. And, you know, if you want to go, the tickets are so cheap right now. This was right before the Great Recession. (laughs) <laughs> the tickets are so cheap right now. And I just I decided I'll go. I was on unemployment at the time. I didn't have a job, but I was receiving my unemployment checks and I decided I'm going to go. And I went there and met her mom and her mom's boyfriend who he owned like some big financial company. And they lived on this hilltop in this huge house overlooking um, the, the Charlotte Emily Bay where all the cruise ships dock. 
I've never yeah. seen anything like it. It's opening up a whole new world for me. Now, remember, I'm living in this one bedroom attic type apartment on the third floor of this house where my boys have the bedroom. I'm sleeping on a futon and I'm exposed to this life where he literally one day we woke up. And as we're just getting ready for the day, he just says, I'll charter a plane for you. Where do you guys want to go? I'll take you anywhere in the world. You decide where you want to go. I'll fly you there. I've never experienced anything like it. But unfortunately, wow. I didn't have a passport. Uh, I know. I didn't I didn't have a passport. I was the only one without a passport. Oh my God. And everyone want, had been naming all of these exotic places. And because of me, I held everyone back. And so the only options we had was to either fly back to the States and go someplace within the continental U.S. or... Mm-hmm lie to Puerto Rico or, um, yeah. or, you know, someplace, well, you know, someplace nearby in the U S or yep. Puerto Rico. Uh-huh, and so yeah, yeah, we're yeah. already in St. Thomas. So yeah. I couldn't even take the ferry over to, um, what's the St. Croix. And, uh, anyway, I felt so bad because everyone was ready to go any they, we could have gone anywhere but and they had already all of them had been to Puerto Rico multiple times i had never been so for me it was still exciting but i felt horrible i felt so small that i had held everyone back and but i made the most of it we wound up he put us up in the Ritz Carlton again another experience that i had i never experienced that type of life and while we were there he said to me He said, I want you to go back home and re-enroll in school. He said, I want you to get your college education. Now, this I had never met him before in my life. He said, I want you to go back home, get your college education, and I want you to consider a career in finance. He said, because right now there's so many opportunities for women in finance. And I said, I never thought about that. I'm I'm horrible at math. Again, you know, even back then. I was know if I can do it. I'm a writer. I'm an English person. I'll go back and I'll be an English He said, seriously, consider a career in finance. So I go back. I re-enroll in college. Like he said, I was too intimidated to do the whole, you know, accounting thing, nothing like that. So I became, I was a journalism major, communications, and I, but I went back and I got my associate's degree. Eventually I wound up switching to psychology, got my associate's in psychology, kept going and got my bachelor's in psychology. And since then, you know, I had, you know, all of the things that had happened to me over the years, I knew that I wanted to be a writer, but because I had been in and out of the criminal justice system and had served time in prison, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to, you know, impact change. And I saw how people who did not have representation were treated. I saw how when you go into the courtrooms, how dilapidated the courtrooms were in the inner city and how when you go in, it makes you feel like an animal. It makes you feel even if you're not guilty of any crime, you if you're going in there to pay a ticket, you feel guilty about something. You Just the environment makes you feel like a criminal. And I remember, you know, just having this feeling of I, I want to go to law school and I want to revisit this dream of mine that I buried because when I used to think about it, Years ago, I would imagine myself being so intimidated and walking into the courtroom with all of these papers from my the client that I was representing and, and taking out the papers and fumbling and, you know, because I'm shaking so much. Because remember, I used to shake uncontrollably, con- uncontrollably from the PTSD. And so I was like, how am I going to represent anybody? How am I going to stand in the courtroom and speak up for someone? And I can't even speak up for myself. But I was determined. God planted this seed in me to say, look, 
every experience that you've gone through, I'm going to turn around and Romans 8.28 is going to be in effect. You know, he's going to cause all things to work together for my good, for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. I said, I know I love the Lord. I know I'm called according to his purpose. So that applies to me. And so I knew that somehow it was going to work out. And so I, I conquered that fear of being in the courtroom shaking and papers flying. I mean, I had this dramatic visual of papers just flying everywhere because I can't show the judge my evidence and, you know, but I got over that. But now I had another fear. I had to apply and disclose all of my criminal record and all of that stuff that I had done. And, and I was afraid, but I did it anyway. You know, you know how they say, feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. I, I had to do that. I had to experience that yep. fear and just go for it. And I applied, I disclosed everything. And lo and behold, not only did I get get accepted at every law school, but I was offered a full ride at one school. And they said, we don't care what your GPA is every semester. We just, as long as you stay with us, we will pay for your full education. As long as you decide to come and study here. And I was so grateful and, you know, I've been able to, I was able to go on to go to New York Law School in the heart of uh, New York, in the financial district of New York and, uh, you know, right in Tribeca in the most amazing school with the most amazing dean who supported me along my journey. And just a fast forward while in law school, I, I went in thinking I would be a defense attorney because that was my heart. But remember the guy in St. Thomas, the, my best, my, my friend at the time, her mom's boyfriend who said, get in financial into finance. So there was a program. I, I got to speed through this part because there's so many components that it just, you know, God's connected. So cool. right? I'm so intrigued. Yes. Yeah. God just, he made it so that you, there's no denying that it was him all along, just putting pieces together. So while in law school, they have a study abroad program. Now I'm married. I was thinking there's no way my husband's going to allow me to go overseas and study for three and a half weeks. But he was like, whatever you want to do, if this is your dream, go for it. So I go overseas and I study. But the only courses that are available are financial services law and international trade law. And I loved it. When I tell you, I fell in love with it. So while there, I I aced the classes. I fall in love with fall in love with financial services law. I'm traveling all over Europe, you know, because you know, you're, when you're in London, you you just it's you so easy go. and so you cheap. Just, yes, yeah. So I'm in Ireland. I'm in. I'm taking the Eurostar to Paris. I'm in Greece. I'm in Spain. All of these amazing places. I have the best time. I come back and I'm bit by the financial services bug. So I come back. I work in that field for that summer. I'm working at a law firm and then I love it. I said, you know what? This might've been a fluke. I'm going to try it out one more summer. So the next summer I tried it out again, worked in financial services law, still loved it. So I said, maybe this is my shift. Maybe this is the career path. And I remembered that this was God bringing everything full circle. And so that is the reason why I wound up in tax law because of my extensive resume with financial services law and international law. So I work for international investments and um, insurance firm and I work as in-house tax counsel for them. And so all of that was really, you know, God just connecting those dots along the way. And that's in a nutshell (laughs) how I got into the field. And then, of course, fulfilling my lifelong dream of becoming a writer. So while in law school, I wrote my first book, my memoir. I wrote three books in law school, which is 
Like, why did you do that? You're supposed to concentrate on your grades and finals. How did you do that? I had to get it out. I was just, yeah. So since then, I've written eight books and four time best selling uh, books. Um, launched my magazine. So I got all of my writing, you know, all of my hopes and dreams about writing and still going. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got into my (laughs) passion. It's amazing. So then at what point, at what point did you start life coaching? Because that's like a whole other thing, right? Yes. I'm like, wait, you do I love it because, yeah, I know. It's like, what don't you do? Uh, You know, it's so crazy because when I started writing the books, I started speaking. I didn't have have a plan to be a public speaker. I was just telling my story. And it started to snowball. And so as I wrote these books and I would speak and afterwards people were like, do you have a book? And I would literally leave off the stage. And before I can even get back to my seat, people are pulling on me, sending, giving me their credit cards. Like, I need your book. I need your book. And I realized that, you know, the questions that I would get after I spoke, I would have line, a, a, like a line of women waiting to talk to me. And it would take so long for me to get through all the women because they would start to tell me about their stories. They would tell me about the things they've gone through. And I would listen and they would say, how did you find the courage to to open up and be transparent? How did you find the, the courage to, to talk about what you went through? Uh, you know, did you worry about what your family would think? Did you worry about this? Where, you know, and I would talk to them and it was like these little mini coaching sessions that would take yeah, place totally. after looking back. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to launch an official coaching program. And at first I said, you know what, I I had that imposter syndrome and I was at first intimidated by it. And I said, I'm going to, but then I realized, no, you've gone through this. And there's a reason why these women trust you and they come to you for this advice. So if I make it more strategic and I make it more professional and polished, I can do it more effectively. And also I don't allow myself to get pulled in so many different directions at once. And I can, and, and while the women are standing there waiting to talk to me, I can talk to them for a couple of minutes, but then I can tell them, let's, you know, let's get on a call and let's see if this is a right fit for you. I had something to offer. So I went and got trained and I got certified because I wanted to be more confident about what I was offering. I wanted to increase my value and, and what I was adding to their life. So I went and got trained and went through this extensive uh, coaching program, got certified. And so boom, now I'm a success coach. I'm a life and success coach, helping women entrepreneurs to live successfully in, you know, thrive in business. So yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's how I got into coaching. So amazing. I want to just like ride on the skirt tails. I want to like, just hear everything. It's so amazing. And it's so motivating and the biggest part is like really activating people to say yes to say yes to the more that's for their life to say yes to the things and the like connectivity points that God gives us because I always talk about God wings and I think that he's like constantly showing us every single day those connective points and they're as fast as a wink sometimes. They're as far away as a wink across the room. And my dad and my Nana used to wink at me all the time. And I just found out yesterday that it's a book as well. And I had no idea. There's like, I don't know. So they, the person literally bought it on the spot. They were like, you've never heard of this book? I'm like, no. They're like, you say it on the time. I'm like, I know, because it just means something to me. So I should have that book in my hand soon. Yeah. But it's the recognizing that it could be far away. It could be right up 
in your face, but it's going to be fast. And if we're moving at the microwave supersonic speed that society trains us to do, or that we're trying to do out of a coping mechanism of success or achievement or living a life of purpose, and yet you're not really sitting in the true calling or the true knowing of your present moment, you're going to miss it. And so I love that you had the opportunity through the freedom of Jesus Christ to stand in that authority, but to also stand in that fully known, fully loved, fully seen. And yet still there is more for your life. Um, It's pretty magnificent. Yes, it is. Yeah. Sometimes I just stand in awe of God when I look at life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every time, because even still, even as you're talking, I am connecting dots of my own life. And I think that's what's so powerful about people sharing their testimonies and people being authentic and sharing the things that were hard and the things that kept them held back for years, decades. Um, And now here you are standing in that freedom and unlocking that door for other people. And that's true. Our true calling is to help others so that they don't have to walk through the same thing and then to introduce them to the one who unlocked the door for us. Yes, absolutely. So what now? Do you have like a thousand more books in queue? Like, what are you going to do next? I'm so excited to know. Yeah, I do have some more books in queue. So I just wrapped up and the publisher has it uh, so that it, it will be published really soon, hopefully within the next few weeks, Trapped in Plain Sight, The Unfamiliar Face of Human Trafficking. It's my second memoir, and I really deal heavily with the whole human trafficking piece because although I met my trafficker at 15, I didn't recognize what it was until I was 38 years old. And I feel wow. like, no, I know that there are so many other victims uh, who are still being trapped into, who are still trapped in human trafficking, who have not self-identified or they haven't been identified. Matter of fact, the uh, the studies show that less than 1% of trafficking victims are identified and that is horrifying. It's horrifying because that means 99% are under the radar. No one knows that they're being trafficked and sometimes it's right in your face. Sometimes it's like you, just because you know where a person is or you can pinpoint their location or because you see them every day does not mean they're not being trafficked. There's a huge misconception or there's this huge um, you know, myth that it has to involve movement. It has to be about taking someone from one place and bringing them to another and having them in hiding. And a lot of times they're not in hiding. It's right in front of our face. And because wow. we haven't talked about it from that angle as much as we should have, unfortunately, um, are unidentified. So that's a vast majority. And when you look at the numbers of people who are trafficked um, every single day, that it starts to put um, as an idea of how many, that 99%, just how many millions of people that involves. So yes, that book is really to shed light on that and to uncover uh, some of the unfamiliar faces of human trafficking. And then I'm also working on a sec- a third um, volume of Outlive the Labels. So I have an anthology project that I do. And right now we're um, building out the, the third cohort of co-authors for volume three. 
volume two oh, hit wow. bestseller, and we just finished publishing that one. Um, and uh, I'm also working on some other book concepts that I have in my head that I haven't yet gotten out yet. I'm on. I'm halfway done with the book of prayers. I, I have like a mm. the people. That, what I didn't mention. I don't know if you know this, but my husband is the senior pastor at our church, and I am the executive pastor. And so we pastor a church together out in Connecticut. We live in New York. But I'm putting together this book of prayers because one thing that my church always tells me is like, oh, my goodness, we love the way you pray. I wish I could pray like that. And so I I tell them all the time, I pray the scriptures. Like, look, there is no no better thing than to pray the word, because when you remind God of his promises, it it, it puts a smile on his face and he has to respond. Like, because Mm -hmm. his word, it doesn't return to him void. It can't. And he's he's such a God of his word. And it's such a and, and the fact that he makes these promises to us and we know that we can rely and depend and just have faith in his word. It's like, okay, what better way to pray? I'm not just going to pray yes. some flimsy prayer. If I don't know what to say, I can go to Psalm 23 and pray that prayer. You know, I can just pray yes. Psalm 23 and I can, you know, just rest in that promise. So I, I, I put together a book um, and I'm halfway through with it called um, Triumphant Prayers because um, our church is Triumph Church. And so or Prayers for Triumph. I haven't pinned down the title yet, but Prayers for Triumph or something like that. So I was going to put it together so that the women at the church can use it as a tool to uh, so I can teach prayer, uh, teach praying and teach about prayers. But I want to release that to the public as well. And then the other things that I have going on is um, I have a new coaching program that I'm about to launch in. It's going to launch in July, but I'm going to start to put out information through social media um, to start to promote it and start to um, get some uh, get get people locked in because uh, it's going to be a limited, a small group. And I'm excited about that because I'm going to launch a new program uh, called the Freedom Roadmap, and it is like it's blown my mind. Just putting it together uh-huh. has taught me some things about my own life, and I've had some like moments where I'm like, "Whoa!" So it's straight download from God, and so I can't wait to give it out to the public. And you know I, that. So those are some of the things I have coming up. And oh, and one last thing: this is another download from God. God gave me a strategy and a whole organization, an organization called the Halo Campaign. And it's an offshoot from our nonprofit at the church. And so the Halo Campaign, H-A-L-O, stands for Human Trafficking, Advocacy, and Learning Opportunities. And it's for exploited black and brown girls. And it's all about spreading awareness about human trafficking in the inner city and also teaching them, giving them learning opportunities and pathways to career so that we can disrupt the school to prison pipeline. So um, he gave me this whole program i've just put it together and we're going to be launching that this summer so i'm excited (laughs) okay now when anybody that i know tells me that i'm doing a lot of things i'm gonna say no you need to go meet my friend mary Kay because holy moly but the coolest thing about this and this is what i always tell people is that when you are operating aligned when you know who you are because of whose you are and you are healthy in your mind your body and your spirit you are operating out of overflow rather than overwhelm and the hours of the day seem endless 
us, the passion that exudes from that seems in, like innumerable. And there's just so much joy in the process. And if you didn't get to listen to this podcast live, you've got to go back and just experience being with her because your joy just, it just flows out of you and it's his joy within you. And I am so grateful to be connected in that realm. Um, there's a gal who's on here listening live and she said that you're speaking and praying in the spirit and knowing the word and speaking those prayers is the exact reason why she listens to worship music because as she listens those words are deposited into her spirit and it's exactly what she needed to hear at the time and I just I'm excited to get my hands on that book just yesterday someone was like will you pray for us I I was a pastor's kid but I was never really good at praying. And I'm like, well, do you practice? And he was like, no. And I'm like, well, you can't be good at something if you don't practice. We don't just like magically come up with magical words. We practice out loud. And that's what I think is so critical for us as as followers of Jesus Christ to be in the practicing of the disciples didn't just come alongside them and magically they were great human beings. They came from tragedy. They came from hardship. They came from their versions of rock bottom. And he said, follow me. And following me is the process, right? It's the becoming um, of who we're intended to be. And it's, it's like you said, we're shedding every day to become the best version, the person that God has in store for us. And you clearly do that on the daily. So, it was an honor to have you. Are there any final words? And there was so much going on as far as what people can come into interaction with you. Is the best ways for them to find all these things out your website? Yes. So you can go to my website, marykholmes.com. And you can follow me on social media. All of my social media is at Hear Mary Speak. um, Or on Clubhouse, Mary Kay Holmes. Um, But the best way probably is just to you know, follow me on Instagram because I post probably more often there and on Facebook. So at Here Mary Speak is you where you can find a lot of the day to day interaction. I love it. Well, Mary, I can't wait to come visit you and your husband's church. I've got to come out there. I'm sure it'll be amazing. And it's probably so wild to now be at the church leading the front, just like you were years, decades before um, you ran up. And now you're giving people the opportunity to run up and choose their freedom. Um, So that's an amazing, again, God wink cycle, connecting the puzzle pieces that only God can plan. (laughs) That's definitely not something in your mind. He's so good. Would you actually, in fact, want to pray us out? I love when people get to experience the prayer life of someone else. Absolutely. All right. So and I just wanted to say one last time, time, thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute honor and a joy. So, um, so yes, let us go ahead and just send up this prayer to God and thank him for this awesome opportunity and this time that we had together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. Oh God, Lord, you, you maximize moments, God, you are so amazing at maximizing moments. Lord, you are a God. You are so strategic. You are a God of strategy, father, and you have brought us together today for a purpose. Father, I thank you, oh God, for connecting us. I thank you for being in the midst of everything that we spoke about today. We thank you, Lord, for every person that tuned in and every person that's listening. We thank you right now that you're going to go in and you're going to begin to minister to them, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that you're going to give them things to just, just rely on and lean on, even in their darkest moments, Father. We thank you, Father, that right now that you are in control of all things and no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, 
circumstances they might be facing. You know all things, oh God. And as we mentioned today, oh God, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love you and are the called according to your purpose. Lord, we thank you, oh God, that what the enemy meant for evil, you meant for our good, Father. And Lord, there is nothing that will overtake us. There will nothing. There will be nothing that will come against us that will overtake us or cause us to be utterly destroyed and cast down. But Father, you will lift us up. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that right now somebody is being ministered to. Somebody is somebody's spirit is being lifted. Somebody's receiving that oil of joy for their mourning. Somebody's receiving that gladness, oh God, that you have promised us, Father. We thank you right now, Lord, that you are turning some things around even now as they're listening. Father, we ask, oh God, that even if there's someone that's tuning in who don't have, they don't have that faith, oh God. Maybe they don't have that capacity right now to believe. Maybe life has just beat them down so much, Father, that they they just don't know you the way that we know you. Maybe they haven't had the experiences that they, they would like to have with you and they don't have that relationship, Father. We pray that even someone desires right now to give their heart to you. Someone would desire to turn back to you even. Father, somebody would want to know about this Jesus that we're talking about today, Father. So we pray that you touch their heart, oh God. Lord, you, oh God, will give the increase. One will plant, one will water, but you will give the increase. Lord, we pray that we plant it today. We pray that we watered something today, oh God. Lord, take that seed that has been planted, oh God, and produce a harvest in somebody's life, oh God, from something that they heard today. Lord, you do all things well. So we know, God, that this was not by accident. This was not a coincidence, but this was all a part of your plan. And we thank you that we are in alignment with you and we're in alignment with your will. And we thank you that we're in the right place at the right time for you to work out some miracles and some great things in the lives of your people. And we thank you for doing it now in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Your church is blessed to have you. I am so amazed. Thank you again. I will be following you. I'm already following you on Instagram and Clubhouse because that's how we got connected. But I'm going to your YouTube channel right after this. You guys go subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things in all the places. Um, But more so importantly, our heart is just for you to find the freedom that we've both found here on earth as it is in heaven. So have a beautiful day. Thanks again for being here. It was such a gift. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary 
down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.